This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Good evening and welcome to Halftime Adjustments. We are just about over the hump and this program will help you get there. I'm Albie Oxenrider. It's Halftime Adjustments and our partner and our buddy uh, from DKPittsburghSports.com, Dan Kovacevic, is on the other end and we are dealing with the snow day in Pittsburgh like everybody else, Dan. It's just snow, Albie. What's the big deal? Snow is awesome. I think it adds it adds to the whole atmosphere. That's what we need. Imagine being in a place where they don't have any. Yes, yes. And they would flock to Pittsburgh to get a little bit. And, and this is what we have today. We also have a, a very interesting situation with the Steelers as we head into the last half of December. Uh, so far, it has not been a December to remember couple straight uh, consecutive losses in that third game when they didn't play so well against the Ravens. And after the latest loss to Buffalo last Sunday night, Mike Tomlin saying that they just lack physicality and they offensively, defensively, and even on special teams. Uh, talk about that and where the Steelers are right now and where you see them going most importantly. Well, can you think of anything uh, more unsettling that a head coach can say about his football team? at any level of the game, then they weren't physical enough. Um, that I, I don't know of one, Albie. And when you bring it up the way, the way he did, uh, you're right. He cited special teams. Um, the defense kind of wore down in the second half, but really it was aimed at the offense. And within that, it was aimed at the offensive line. Albie, this isn't new. This isn't something that developed just within the context of the two games that they've lost. This has been going on for weeks now, several weeks, where this offensive line just gets no push. And other teams have figured out what the Steelers' shortcomings are, and they have decided to attack them head on. And it's working. It's working. They're bringing everybody up to the box. Everybody. And they're saying, look, we know you can't do anything downfield. We absolutely know you can't run through us. So here, what are you going to do now? And the Steelers don't have any answers. Um, I really thought, Albie, the other night uh, in Orchard Park that they were going to be able to come out with some new ideas, some new something uh, to at least try to keep the bills off balance. They didn't. They just kept trying to do the same thing. And to no one's surprise, it didn't work. Uh, let's take this. Let's take this further. Uh, so physicality was, you know, the coach pointed to the lack of physicality. Um, we saw more drop passes, uh, you know, first first play from scrimmage. Um, and, and the running game just isn't there. Now, maybe maybe that's an offshoot of the no physicality thing. And there are certainly a lot of injuries, too, and I'm not laying the blame anywhere. I'm just saying they are dealing with an unusual amount of injuries to some very key players and key positions. So where are they? Where are they with three regular season games remain? I, I, remaining? I think everybody agrees that, that the Cincinnati game is certainly a game they can, should, and will win, but you never know. And, and you know, let's not look beyond there. But where, where are the Steelers right now from a psyche standpoint, even if they beat, even if they beat Cincy? See, I, I think they actually should look beyond there. And I know that, that flouts every conventional wisdom that football has ever had. But I don't care at this point about their wins and their losses. I really don't. And I haven't for a while. I haven't cared 
about their wins that they had over the Ravens when they put 36 guys in uniform, eight of them who'd never taken an NFL snap before. Uh, that doesn't matter. What matters is trying to figure out what's actually wrong and how to address it. I'll give you an example. Let's say you commit going into Cincinnati on Monday night, and you don't say to your guys, hey, let's lose the game. But what you say is, look, no matter what, we're going to do this one thing on offense, and we're going to do it until we get it right, and we're going to put something on tape that the teams that we face after that, the Colts and the Browns and everybody in the playoffs are going to have to think about. Because right now they don't have to think about anything, LB. They just go back to the Baltimore game in which John Harbaugh came up with that scheme at the line of scrimmage that Washington then used and then Buffalo used. And until they break that pattern, it's not going to mean a thing for when they get into the playoffs. So that is all that matters here. It's all that's mattered all along. Um, that said, I, I don't see it happening. This coach goes week to week to week, and he, he says that. He's right now spending time thinking about the Cincinnati Bengals and how to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, the, the best way to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, Albie, is just to just show up. You know, It's not going to mean a thing. You have to get better at some point. Uh, let me just say this. There, there, a few weeks ago, a, a short few weeks ago, Everybody was talking about Kansas City and Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and Kansas City. That's their kind. Well, let me tell you something. The AFC, uh, aside from Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, Cleveland, just to name three more in addition to Kansas City, are very capable of beating Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I have to tell you that, that both the Ravens and the Browns in that game on Monday night, I saw two teams that can knock off Pittsburgh early in the playoffs. Oh, I think – with the way the Steelers are playing now, Albie, anybody can beat them. I'm not sure the Bengals can, so I take that back. But <laughs> I, I think I think anybody can. It's this is this is a team that has has lost its way on offense. Um, other than one drive the other night against the Bills, they they achieved next to nothing. And even that drive, as pretty as it was, you know, they were able to do a lot of this sideways stuff and the bills for whatever reason just didn't seem to have it their defense um, even that wasn't really progress because it wasn't addressing the things that are wrong you know you got to get the ball downfield you got to run the ball you got to get the ball downfield and you got to run the ball and until they get those things taken care of teams are going to sit on those short routes and that's the end of that yeah no doubt about it all right. Thanks, Dane, for those thoughts. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Pirates and a little later on the Penguins. And maybe we'll even jump back into the Steelers because there's still so much to be said. What do you think, Dan? <laughs> when, we come, when we come back on halftime adjustments on WPXI now. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. And uh, just because it's approaching the last part of December, uh, the holidays are right around the corner. Um, we're going to talk about the Pirates. And I have to be honest with you off, right off the bat, Dan. It's difficult, especially in the middle of so much uncertainty with the end of the football season and with college basketball. Um, I know that baseball hopes it can get out there and play in Major League Baseball. Um, I still don't know. I think a lot of things have to uh, 
come to the surface before we can talk about that. But uh, your feelings on the Pirates and where they are and the fact that they're, they're pushing some competition here as they go into from one lost season into another season with many unknowns. Well, there are a lot of unknowns for baseball, uh, whether or not they're going to start on time is the biggest one because there's a feeling now that the major league baseball players association wants to see players being vaccinated before spring training starts so that they can avoid a lot of the, you know, not all of them, but at least some of the, the heavy protocols that they had to deal with last summer. And that makes sense. If, if, if you know you're that close to it and you just delay it by a little bit, uh, you can get something done and, and, and keep things a whole lot simpler for everybody that's involved. Um, as far as the Pirates go, you know, we've met in the past week with Ben Charrington. We've met with, with Derek Shelton. This was uh, just yesterday. And they're talking, as they did late in the 2020 season, a lot about opening up jobs, Um when you go 19 and 41 and you have all the individual drop-offs that they did, um, that's really how it ought to be. And then whenever Derek Shelton went through some of the jobs that are filled, I thought to myself, really? <laughs> like, feel free to open up even more. Uh, Gregory Polanco is one that jumps out. He just flat out said Greg is our right fielder. Now, you could say Greg should be the right fielder. He's the highest paid player. Uh, at 11.6 million. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, I know. I see you there. <laughs> yeah. He hit 153, Albie. He hit right. 153. But then as soon as I say, well, Greg shouldn't be the right fielder. Then I ask myself, all right, who would be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who would be, we have no idea. There isn't anybody. Who would you put out there? Cole Tucker again? No, thanks. Yeah, I mean, believe me, I, I, I think that this underscores the fact that, you know, they're pushing competition with what? And, and, and I mean, the two numbers you just mentioned uh, <laughs> individually or together, uh, and that would be one, 153 and 11.6. I mean, come on. I mean, this is, and, and this is, and, and, and has, I know last, this is, this is kind of a difficult thing to gauge because they're coming off a season that everybody agrees was just a, a throwaway. They did, crown a world series champion but i mean let's face it it was a bizarre season a challenging season and a season that really didn't provide any clarity uh for a lot of teams most especially the pirates so i i don't even know uh if you can if you can draw anything from last year do you uh there are a couple things uh, one is that however bad ben Sherrington thought his minor league system and his depth was, I think he found out that it's that much worse. Yeah. You're right. Uh, the, the, the mess that was left behind by Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark defies belief. Um, other than Kibrian Hayes, there's virtually no, there was virtually no minor league system uh, and a couple of relief arms. That's it. Um, he has his work cut out for him and his work ultimately won't have anything to do with, uh, who's playing right field in 2021. It's going to be building up that system to the point where the real competition discussions that we have aren't going to be in Pittsburgh. It's going to be in Indianapolis and in Altoona. Uh, it's going to be places where the prospects are going to be pushing each other to see who can be better. Who's going to become that second baseman in Pittsburgh. Who's going to be 
become the center fielder. Um, when you don't have that as a baseball organization, you are walking on thin ice. And even when the Pirates made the playoffs uh, from 2013 to 15, I kept warning people, look, enjoy this. This is great. They did it with a bunch of trades and free agents. They didn't do it in-house. Okay, they just didn't. The players that they had who were in-house, Andrew McCutcheon and Neil Walker, came from the previous management. So they went and they got A.J. Burnett and Russell Martin and Jason Grilly. They were all free agents in trades. They weren't, they weren't drafted. They weren't, they weren't signed as amateurs here. So what was going to happen as soon as 2015 happened? A.J. leaves, uh, Jay Happ leaves, and you're thinking, all right, a normal team. Here come the players. Here come some pitchers from the minor leagues. Nope. They had nothing. And what happened? Just like that. And it was because they never, ever, ever built up the minors. And you can't do that. You can't, you just can't function like that in baseball. So, and, and, and it's tough to disagree with anything you just said. What, I mean, realistically, you know, let's, let's put ourselves, uh, you know, let's consider the perspective of the fans. What can be expected? You know, last season, because of the difficulties that the, the entire world had, and 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 continues to have but but through the baseball season um there were so many things happening with the coronavirus that that and the shutdowns and and how they were going to do baseball it, this new regime this new era kind of started and and really fell between the cracks because there were too many other things to worry about so now that this is another season coming up uh with Derek Shelton and with Ben Sherrington um what can fans expect I mean, how long will this take? They've made it clear that they're not going to do anything crazy in, in building the team. So how, what can they expect? And, I, and we're getting a wrap, so, so I'll ask you to be quick if that's possible. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's going to take time. It just is. I mean, listen to the, the outline that I just put down here. I mean, you're talking about building up a minor league system, you know. Uh, what takes longer than that in sports? than building up a baseball minor league system with how long it takes for players to develop and to let you know who they really are. Um, you know, nobody wants to hear this, but it's, it's going to take two, three years for the Pirates, I think, to even be competitive again. I really believe that. Yeah. Tough to get, disagree once again. All right. We'll be back to talk about the Penguins uh, starting to get some noise on that front and when they might start uh, and more as halftime adjustments continues. And welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. And normally at this time of the year, we'd uh, have hockey to watch on a regular basis. And the Penguins, uh, this is anything but a normal year. And uh, once again, from one season that uh, was very unusual to another season that's going to be unusual, just because uh, the start of the season is going to be pushed back. You know, they're talking about the middle of January. Um, but there, there is some some. Uh, some positive there are some positive things here today and a number of penguins have, have begun working out in Pittsburgh and we're starting to see uh, you know signs that maybe by mid-January they'll be ready to go yeah I mean that's that's the outlook that's being leaked out by the NHL not really announced they haven't announced any of these dates that everybody's talking about the January 3rd opening of training camps the January 13 start of a regular season but they aren't denying them either, and they usually do. 
uh, whenever there's something that, that's, that's up. Um, there's, I'm certain, all kinds of reasons the NHL hasn't done that yet. Uh, they also haven't even told everybody what division they're playing in. <laughs> than the Canadian team. Little, little that's, tiny that, thing there. That's, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we are right now with this. However, players have been told, uh, or at least advised, I should say, uh, by their teams and, and by their union to get to their respective cities. Uh, get acclimated, get tested, get set up, uh, get skating with your guys. And that's what we've seen now uh, with uh, a little less than a dozen of the Penguins are up in Cranberry. Um, some notables, Jake Gensel, uh, Brian Dumoulin is up there. Uh, so they, they have players who are, who are in town and who are, you know, getting their feet wet, so to speak. But man, Albie, once they do, there's not a whole lot of time. Did you hear the dates that I gave? The 3rd and the 13th? 3rd and the 13th. That is a 10-day training camp, and I'm sure the coach is going to have to give them at least one day off in there. So you're talking about a nine-day training camp with no preseason games and then, you know, just like that, actual hockey, um, which I guess will be an improvement over what had to happen last summer, which is they went right into game one of the playoffs. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be different again, that's for sure. Um, and we have, again, nothing official, but it uh, certain reports have been leaked, you know, maybe 52 to 56 games. Uh, what are you hearing on the uh, COVID front with the Penguins? Football, you, you mentioned baseball, and baseball said that they would, uh, they would welcome the opportunity to be able to vac vaccinate. Uh, what about football says, we'll wait. You know, we'll, we'll let others do that first. We're not going to jump the line on that. Uh, what's the feeling with hockey and vaccines? Well, I, I don't know that jumping the line is going to be a thing um, for, for anybody. I understand what Roger Goodell said, that he didn't feel like they needed to be vaccinated to hold the Super Bowl. Um, that they could just continue going as they have, follow the same protocols, the same procedures. Um, you know, where baseball is concerned, they're not talking about jumping anybody's line either. Really, Honestly, Albie, when you're talking about jumping the line, not to stray from sports here, but all you're talking about is you're paying the company that's making the vaccines to make more of them, which we as society could do anyway. You know, they could have been paid all along and when we would have been a whole lot more ready. So this isn't this isn't about sports doing something nefarious to get going. I think it's just a matter of trying to find the right timing to make sure that you adjust the protocols. Hockey's case is a little bit more complicated because of Canada. Um, in, in, in Major League Baseball and the NBA, they can just tell the Toronto Blue Jays and the Toronto Raptors, hey, come play your games down south. Well, you can't do that with seven Canadian franchises like hockey has. So they had to form their own division. They're not going to cross borders. Uh, I don't think they're going to cross borders at any point in the season. And you want to talk about travel logistics. How about a division that's got Montreal and Vancouver? <laughs> it's, you know, that's a, that's a lot of flying time there. Um, so they're going to have to, you're going to see baseball type series. Uh, you're going to see when the Penguins go play, I don't know, the Devils, that they won't just play one game in Newark. They might play two. They might play three. Um, so that they can minimize the, the travel and the inconvenience and the moving right, around right. and everything else that has to happen. So I think that's going to be the biggest impact uh, on hockey as it relates to the virus. It's going to be much more about the logistics than it is, uh, you know, than it is anything related to getting vaccinated. 
And I love the idea that you just talked about, uh, you know, going to one city and then playing two or three games rather than having to have other trips down the road and get them out of the way with the least amount of travel and the least amount of time spent there. Yeah, it sounds good, but it's not a very attractive sell on, on tickets. And meaning when we get to the point where they are selling tickets and somebody tells you, uh, you know, hey, the Devils are in town three games in a row at PPG Paints Arena. Go get your tickets. Um, you know, good, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing is, you know, with, with the bubble, the way it happened last year and certainly a disappointing end of the season for the Penguins. But again, just like I talked about with the Pirates and the way last season was, um, the, the, the way they lost was disappointing at the time for sure. And some people still talk about it, but at most time, most of the time they're talking about, uh, the situation that they were in. So, so maybe that'll be a reason to get last season behind them and move on to bigger and better things. All right. No question. No question. All right. Back with our final moments here with Dan on halftime adjustments right after this. Back with our final moments here on halftime adjustments. Uh, I, I guess uh, we do have the Steelers for, for the next uh, three, four weeks to get through the regular season. It will be many things, but at the top of that list is interesting, Dan. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger telling all of us today, uh, don't panic. Uh, the season hasn't come to an end. Um, that leads me to believe that there have been all kinds of spirited conversations uh, over on the south side, behind closed doors, uh, there should have been. That was needed. Um, I felt all along like the Steelers needed to hit rock bottom in order to start bouncing back up. Maybe, maybe they've done that, Albie. Maybe. And maybe they can use the Bengals as a launching point to start normalizing things again. All right. This is a long week of prep. After a couple short weeks, that's a welcome sight for the Steelers. Monday night football at the Cincinnati Bengals, followed by Indy at home. And then Cleveland could be a great epic matchup to finish the regular season. Thanks, Dan. And that's halftime adjustments for this week. I'm Albie Oxenrider. See you next time on WPXI Now.